Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And he's here to say good afternoon. Welcome. August 21st, in case you'd forgotten. (laughs) And Craig Roberts before your ears on this Wednesday, welcoming you to another edition of Lifeline. Got a busy, jam-packed program for you tonight. A little bit later on in the show, we're going to be talking with best-selling author Cynthia Fantasia, who has written a new book called In the Lingering Light. And i got to tell you, if your family is dealing with a loved one suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, wow, what a book this is for you. And if you know someone who's dealing with those issues, hey, call them up and say, check out AM 1100 and KFAX.com. Listen to this conversation a little bit later on in today's show. Also, Marlo Tucker with the Concerned Women for America California chapter will drop by, talk a bit about um, why it's critically important for you as a taxpayer and involved citizen to be actively involved in public policy. How and why? We'll get to that in a moment. First off, I want to wax nostalgic, if I might, for a moment. Um, When I first came here to KFAX, Marconi had just just about perfected radio. (laughs) That was in January of 1982. Um, One of the first broadcast ministries that I recall really making an impact on me was this guy. This is Chuck Swindoll with a reminder you're listening to the Northern California home of Insight for Living, KFAX, San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. Yes, indeed, and remarkable to calculate that for nearly 40 of the 40 years of the existence of Insight for Living Ministries, they have been a fixture here on KFAX every weekday morning at 7 a.m. with a reprise broadcast at 11.30 a.m. And if you're like me and literally tens of thousands of Northern California believers, you've started your day with Chuck Swindoll, and he has spoken tremendous truth into your life. Well, we had an opportunity to talk with the executive producer of Insight for Living, and we've uh, been able to capture a couple of precious moments with Roger Kemp. Roger, how are you? Oh, great to talk to Craig Roberts, the legend, man. The legend in his own mind. <laughs> yes, indeed. And You know, interesting, I, I was looking at a couple of bio notes on you, Roger, and, and of course, we go way back. In fact, at one time, right. you, you worked for the company as well here with Salem Media, but right. I was astonished to find out that you have been with Chuck Swindoll's ministry just, in fact, just a scotch longer than I've been here with, the, with KFAX. That's remarkable. You were there at the inception in 1979. One of God's blessings uh, in my life uh, is to have had a front row seat all 40 years. The, the program went on the air in July of 1979. I happened to be working for Al Sanders, if you remember that. Oh, name. yes. He was the host for uh-huh. 17 years, Insight for Living. And, uh, yeah, and we have very fond memories of K- KFAX and uh, being in your community with Chuck several times. 
Yes, indeed. And boy, Al and Margaret helped to launch so many uh, national ministries, focus on the family, so many others. But I want to talk for a moment about Insight for Living, because a lot of people that tune into the daily broadcast think about the pulpit ministry of Chuck Swindoll. They maybe know one or two details about him personally, but that's about it. They don't perhaps really understand the breadth and depth that this is not just a local ministry or a national ministry, but that Insight for Living is a global ministry with multiple tiers, not just radio. So for folks that are kind of uninitiated to the background and history and the impact of Chuck Swindoll's pulpit ministry and Insight for Living, spend a moment, if you would, Roger, and just kind of enlighten us. Oh, absolutely. And first of all, I would say with that setup, it had to be a little bit of a disappointment to to hear that, oh, we get Roger, not Chuck. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't well, going to say that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Chuck is actually out of the country. You know, uh, he's a little older than you and I are, Craig, but I'll tell you what, he's busier than both of us, and uh, he's out of the country doing a speaking engagement, and, and uh, he's still preaching uh, twice every Sunday morning and loves to preach. And, you know, I the question you asked, I want to start with the pulpit ministry, because that's really what... Chuck's life is all about. Everything that he does starts first with the Church. It's really all about the Church. And Inside for Living happens to be one of the byproducts of that. So what our listeners here at 7 a.m. and at 11.30 a.m. every uh, day on KFAX with Inside for Living starts with his teaching ministry at the Church. And having been uh, a preacher for now well over 40 years, long before Inside for Living actually started, we have, uh, for lack of a better term, an archive of thousands of messages that we can use on Insight for Living, which is one of the gifts that we have. And as a result of that, you know, sometimes you're hearing a message that was preached in the 80s, or, or right now, the series that's on right now called Epical Events was preached just a few months ago, and we're going to start a brand new series on Friday. Uh, that Chuck preached uh, to the students at Dallas Seminary that's brand new, never been heard before. So uh, we do have a lot of history, but we have a a lot of things that are happening right now and generating new material for our listeners. And and, uh, lest I go too long to answer your question, with that archive of messages then, uh, we're able to branch out overseas. Those messages are translated into many different languages, and so, gratefully, now Chuck's teaching can be heard all around the world, not only in English, but in, in multiple languages as well. This is part of what Inside for Living terms, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Vision 195, that has really you nailed it. catapulted this ministry to global impact, translated into multiple languages. And, and, and what I think is beautiful about this ministry, and perhaps a component that many people are not familiar with, they see it as a broadcast radio ministry. It's that at the core, to be sure, but so much more, because along with this vision for 195 global countries along with the United States, Inside for Living provides biblical counseling services. You provide something very special, a pastor-to-pastor counseling service. Um, And there's even other radio ministries associated with Insight, uh, like for children, the Paws and Tails program. Correct, correct. And, you know, I, I have to say, Craig, our KFAX listeners have been among the best in the country. We love San Francisco and beyond and have a great, rich history together. And gratefully, we hear from hundreds, if not thousands, of listeners from your community. And 
it's not uncommon at all for us to hear things like, man, I feel like I know Chuck Swindoll. I just, I just have listened to him for so long, and I feel like he gets me. He knows me. And so the, the responses we get from people in San Francisco are often along the lines of, man, I heard him say something today that I'm, I'm just sure he's been reading my mail. It was exactly for me. It's what I needed. And if Chuck were here on this conversation, he would say, Roger, Craig, it's not me. That's, that's God's Word. It's not my voice. It's not my words. It's the Word of God that's speaking into the lives of people that have such meaning and give it life. And certainly very true. And I think, though, to, to, um, to also give credit where credit is due, uh, Chuck has invested a lifetime in studying God's Word and has been blessed with communication skills that really allow his ability to transmit insights from God's Word into very practical means which we can apply to our everyday lives. Because let's face it, we're getting up, we're going to work, we're dealing with problems at work, family issues at home, maybe the kids are misbehaving, whatever it might be, just the stuff of life. And to know that that the pulpit ministry of Chuck Swindoll provides us, and the, the, the name I think very apropos, Insight for Living, that insight, of course, coming from God's Word and how we're able to then apply what we learn on the radio every day to our own relationship with others, ultimately our relationship with God, I think it's been one of the key things that has made this pulpit ministry so much of a blessing to so many untold millions of people, both here in the Bay Area and globally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, you know, one of my favorite pictures of him, I've had the benefit of being in his home uh, on a number of occasions, and one of my favorite days to be there is on a Thursday, because that's the day he prepares for Sunday. And you don't call him on Thursday, you don't interrupt him on Thursday, but I love picturing him at his desk. He, he spreads out all his books, and he, he prepares his message the old style. He does his homework. He does not call it in or <laughs> you know rely on his past messages. He does it the hard way. And if you have dinner with him on Thursday night, he's either in a good mood or a grumpy mood. He's in a good mood if he's done, and he's a little bit grumpy if he's still got to finish <laughs> off Sunday sermon. <laughs> but that's the rhythm of his life, getting ready for Sunday, because he, he just loves to serve the church in that way. And that, of course, is the output that we have on Insight for Living. Yeah, he, he, he takes it seriously because he recognizes also the, the global impact of this enormous pulpit um, and the responsibility that God has given him to open the Word and to help uh, share the revealed Word to all of us. Now, you mentioned about Chuck being out of the country at the moment. I understand, though, that before he left, Roger, you had a special opportunity to sit down one-on-one with Chuck and to discuss with him, and you're going to share some of that conversation, I understand, on tomorrow's broadcast, about a very critical situation right now that, frankly, is being faced by Insight for Living. Tell us a bit about that conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, uh, and again at 11.30, and for those who can't sleep overnight on KFAX, uh, we're going to air a conversation that I had with Chuck. Uh, normally, of course, you turn into the program, you hear Bible teaching. We're hitting pause just for one day only, and we want to hear Chuck's heart on some things that are happening behind the scenes with this Heritage Broadcast Ministry, because we've hit a rough patch financially. And over the years, um, this happens. We are a nonprofit ministry that runs at the will of its listeners and those who donate, and so our income is erratic. It's up and down, and and it's not entirely uh, reliable or predictable, I should say, at times. But God always provides, and the best path we know uh, is just to share with our listenership 
are. And when people band together, when everybody does a little bit, it just seems to take care of those issues. And so because we're family, we like to open the door and tell you what's going on behind the scenes so that you can participate in the program that has meant so much to you through the years. And, of course, that special broadcast will be aired tomorrow at 7 a.m. and again at 11.30 a.m. right here on KFAX, that conversation between Pastor Chuck Swindoll and Roger Kemp, the executive producer of Insight for Living. And, you know, Roger, it's interesting. I've had this conversation several times down through the years, people to talk sometimes about uh, public television, for example. And if you get a room, folks, to, together and say, how many of you love the, the science programs or national National Geographic, and it's amazing to see how many hands in a room will go up and say, oh, yes, I love public television. My my kids enjoy it. We love it for the opera music or whatever. And then ask the same group of people, now, how many of you regularly support it? And all the hands disappear. And ironically, we find that there's a correlation between that experience and, frankly, what happens with a lot of radio ministries, and that is that we come to expect it. We integrated as a part of our daily life and our our biblical studies, and it becomes so comfortable like an old friend that's just always there. And then what would happen if one day suddenly that old friend wasn't there? Well, I, I think the point that I'm making is simply this, that if you are someone who really appreciates the ministry of Chuck Swindoll, if God has used this pulpit ministry to touch your life, um, it's important that Chuck is aware of it, um, and that you help to undergird the ministry. As Roger points out, there's not some big international conglomerate organization here that writes billion-dollar checks. Um, it's people like you and me, people that listen to the radio, appreciate the ministry, engage in many of the resources available through Insight for Living that then want to show some appreciation. And as we described to you a moment ago, this is not just local radio. It's global radio, a global vision for the world, and multiple layers of counseling services, biblical counseling, the Paws and Tales Children's Radio Show, the Pastor-to-Pastor Counseling Services. There's so much going on in and through and behind the ministry of Insight for Living that we thought we'd just kind of make you aware of this special broadcast tomorrow and then say to those of you that maybe haven't written in a while, haven't communicated with the ministry in in a while, would you take a moment to just jot a note, send an email? You can reach Insight for Living easily on the web at insightforliving.org. That's insightforliving.org. And if you can do something in a tangible way to really say to Chuck Swindoll and Roger Kemp, the executive producer of Insight for Living, how much this ministry has meant to you and how it has impacted your own personal life, then a tangible gift of support along with your prayerful support will really communicate a very powerful message and will help to assure that not only this ministry continues here on stations like KFAX, but the global impact of Chuck Swindoll's pulpit ministry continues to impact the world for Christ. So, again, you can check out the broadcast tomorrow at 7 a.m. and uh, get more insight, literally, between Roger Kemp and uh, Chuck Swindoll at 11.30 a.m. and, of course, at 7 a.m. And then if you want to hop online and give that gift or just send a note of encouragement, do so at insightforliving.org. That's insightforliving.org. Well, Roger, thank you so much. I know it's a busy day for you, and uh, to carve in a couple of extra moments here um, out of your busy schedule to be with us, we appreciate very much. 
It's been an honor, Craig. Thanks so much. All right, you take care. There's Roger Kemp, executive producer with Inside for Living. And again, more information about the ministry and a great way for you to express your appreciation and support is to make it a point right now if you're in front of your computer or when you get home tonight to send a nice, generous offer, particularly during this time of the year. We get busy with the holidays and travel over summer vacation and so forth, and we kind of we forget. And this is a difficult time for this ministry, a critical time, and your support can make a critical difference. InsideForLiving.org. That's InsideForLiving.org. Let Chuck Swindoll hear from you today. 520 from KFAX. Get a look at traffic right now, and we'll swing back over to the KFAX Traffic Center for the latest. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Let me just give you a quick example of some of the more brilliant pieces of legislation to having either been considered or actually passed and then signed into law here in California in just the last couple of years. AB 2943, the so-called gender therapy ban. AB 887, the cross-dressing bill. AB 16, which would have required... STD vaccinations for 10-year-olds, and AB 1732, the transgender bathroom bill. That's just a small example off the top of my head, and the list would go on to the point of absolutely shocking you of what has happened here in California public policy in recent years. Much of this, I think, demonstrative of the fact that you just can't You can't sit back and trust that the people that you elect to represent you in Sacramento or even in Washington, D.C., for that matter, these days will actually do that. Most get there and either get corrupted or get there with an agenda that they're carrying water on behalf of somebody else. So how do we get more believers, more people of faith involved in California public policy? Marlo Tucker joins us, director of the California chapter of Concerned Women for America. And Marlo, wow, I just thought about those four bills off the top of my head, and I would be shocked if I had done the t- taken the time to, to come up with a list. I bet we could come up with 50 or 60 in, in recent years alone that would absolutely horrify most of our listeners if they knew exactly what's going on at the behest of their state legislature. Yes, and it's going to keep on going and spiraling on and on if we, as uh, the body of Christ, are not aware and awakened to what's going on around us. It's so easy for us to be in our uh, in our little bubble, enjoying our freedoms slowly, um, in just within our community. But then here we are with legislation that's attacking the very freedoms that we value. And so it's really important for people to understand that these public policy or principles on which our social laws are based affect us in our local community, regionally, state, national, and globally. And it's something that we can um, add to our awareness in our life in trying to just um, learn more about it so that we can be a solution to um, this problem and taking back California. And um, as the California State Director of Concerned Women for America, I represent over 20,000 women and like-minded men who are actually, you know, they are uniting in prayer for our nation and for our state. And there's a thirst for knowledge about, you know, the policies affecting our uh, our life, our religious freedoms, and our families. 
even in our education. And so people are actually stepping up to take action, which is um, probably encouraging to your listeners because um, there are many people out here who are really um, awakening and are getting on their knees and humbly praying for our state. And so it's important to know that uh, you can uh, join this movement to really uh, learn about the issues and uh, about the legislative issues that you just said and more to come. And we can pray for our country and our state and our leaders, and we can get out the vote. If every one of your listeners tells even one person to learn about the party platforms and how each platform reflects the biblical values we hold dear, then we would make such an impact. Values on the sanctity of human life and our religious liberty. Something I wanted to um, relate to people is how I became a state director. How did I get into public policy? Well, way back when, when I was a youth leader, (laughs) I was so happy just fellowshipping and worshiping and praying with the youth, coordinating outreach projects abroad to build handicap trails. I would even put on theater plays with the message of Christ's love for people and enjoying weekend retreats and campfire songs. And then I heard from the pulpit, the pastor saying, there is a real threat to our religious freedom. Groups are out there around the clock challenging my right to freedom, to worship, and to pray. And then all of a sudden I realized everything I value could be taken away from me. That changed my life. And I know I could have just idly stood by and not speak out, but um, I had to get more information. It's really important to know what you stand for, but it's incredibly important to know what you don't stand for. And what we are seeing in our country and in our state is very shocking. It's uh, degrading, and it's, um, it's going to continue if our silence continues. And so... It was just me. It was just one person who woke up and realized I had to do something about it. And that's exactly what happened with our founder, Mrs. Beverly LaHaye. It was just her in her kitchen uh, kitchen room and just realizing, you know what? The legislation of the 70s doesn't represent her. And so, especially with the Roe v. Wade. And so she gathered two or more ladies together to pray. And 40 years later, to this year, we are um, the largest women's organization on public policy with half a million members. And it's just so exciting that it just starts with one person who's willing to listen to the Lord, to stand up and to pray and to speak out, not in arrogance, but just to call out in truth and with uh, grace. There's a verse called uh, in Isaiah 5.20 that says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We are seeing this today in California and in our country. So it's really important that we apply the teachings of Jesus Christ to the issues of today. We all know that things are not going well in our country and in our world. And now more than ever, Christians ought to be involved in public policy to, to some degree. Because there is a tendency to think that there is nothing we can do, or even should be doing. And especially with lack of knowledge, 
there is lack of resolve and lack of conviction. But that's, and then what do you have? You have apathy. But I want to remind people about Noah. Noah had 100 years to tell people about the will of God. And not one person converted. Imagine how disheartened Noah was to speak and work all those years with not one extra person coming on board the ark. And yet he was obedient to the very end to God's will. And he built that ark. And the floods came. And because of Noah's Noah's obedience, he saved all of mankind. And so, as Mrs. Beverly LaHaye would say, you know, I'm, you know, God didn't call me to win. He called me to fight. And I just have to be obedient to his calling. Also, with CEO and President Penny Nance, when she's in the, uh, in the thick of persecution, when she's a spokesperson for conservative values, her answer to how do you do it is, I have an audience of one. That one is my Heavenly Father who calls me his beloved. And so as the body of Christ, you know, that includes the church. We are to be proactive about policy issues because we can learn about legislative issues. We can pray for our country and our leaders. And first, you know, to get in the spirit of grace and love, again, and not in, not in arrogance or judgment. And we should inform and motivate others to engage their community to positively impact our culture according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And what you can do, um, those listening, you can recognize that we have a duty to speak biblical truth and grace to our children and in the way that we live and in our speech and in our community. The Bible calls us to be salt and light. And actually, remember, the apostles, they were just regular people. And the impact was great because they simply obeyed God's will to speak truth. And I think the important thing, too, is to be mindful that, you know, in our form of governance, this is not hire some expert. We, we act like that. Hire some expert, and they do it all on our, our behalf. Uh, this is, as Lincoln said, government of, by, and for the people. And you are the by part in that. So we have to be engaged in having our voices expressed and heard in Washington, D.C., in Sacramento, so that we can guide and provide leadership for public policy. More information available on the web at concernedwomen.org. That's concernedwomen.org. And our thanks to Marlo Tucker, director of the California chapter of Concerned Women for America. All right, time now for traffic. We're a bit late. Let's get caught up. 535, the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Next part of the conversation is going to be, well, a difficult one. Um, a difficult one if you have a friend or a loved one that is dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's disease. Perhaps worse so if you are a caregiver to a friend or a loved one that is in the middle of the throes of Alzheimer's disease. There's a lot of diseases out there that we could probably put in the category of evil in terms of the kind of carnage that it can wrought on a body. Cancer, certainly, I think, in that, in that category. Uh, multiple sclerosis, certainly in that category. Parkinson's disease, in that category. The sad problem with 
Alzheimer's disease or dementia is that it takes a person that we fully know, robs their identity, robs their short-term memory, slowly robs their long-term memory to the point where eventually they forget how to even do the most simple daily tasks. And I had it described to me one time as this. It's like saying goodbye to a friend over and over and over and over and over again. But they don't die in one fell swoop, but just at little chunks at a time. Cynthia Fantasia has written a new book. By the way, she has served as pastor of service and women at Grace Chapel in Lexington, Massachusetts. Speaks both nationally and internationally. Written a number of other books and been a contributor to same. She is a doctorate in ministry from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary and has penned a new book called In the Lingering Light, Courage and Hope for the Alzheimer's Caregiver, just released by NAF Press. And Cynthia, thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I have been uh, dealing with a a close family member on this topic for about uh, three years now. Um, and uh, it's um, it's a tough one. It 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 really it it causes you to rethink everything from the way you relate to a person uh, to uh, well, as I said a moment ago, it's it's like saying goodbye to a dear friend um, in pieces. It really is. Series of small goodbyes. That's what I call it. Tell us a bit about your passion for this topic, and why the book? My passion for this topic is that I lived the life of a caregiver. Um, My husband was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Um, When he was diagnosed, it was um, considered moderate to severe. Um, And for 34 months, we lived that horrible life where at one point he looked at me and he said, "Um, do you know where my wife is? Oh, dear. And I just said, um, she went out to do some errands. She'll be back in an hour. Okay. And um, you have to keep telling yourself, or I kept telling myself over and over and over that it's the disease talking because it robs the person of not just their physical abilities. It robs the person of the ability to have a relationship. It robs the person of his personality. It just robs the person, period. And then in in turn, it robs the loved one who's caring for him. It robs the family, the whole chain. Tell us for you, um, with Bob, uh, when when did you first start to notice that there seemed to be something amiss? It's very interesting. People ask me that all the time, and I ask other caregivers the same question. You begin to see that things aren't what you thought they should, what you think they should be, but you never attribute it to something being seriously wrong. And then you go to the doctors with your loved one and you hear that diagnosis. And it never comes as a shock, Craig. It's always, oh, that's the missing piece of the puzzle. So, um, like I say, I noticed as well, well, after diagnosis, then you start looking back. And I would say we started seeing things maybe three years before, but attributed it to, well, he's a little depressed or he's 
not happy with what he's doing and things like that, but you never think that your world is going to be upended. For me, it was a phone book, a simple phone book, and telephone calls about, uh, can you bring my phone book back? What phone book? You know, my little pink telephone directory. Uh, I, I, you took it the other day, and uh, it, it, that got into some interesting conversations because, of course, I'd done no such thing, and yet this family <coughs> member was thoroughly convinced that I had taken the phone book. And uh, then you went on... Um, I guess, I guess the, the Alzheimer's version of the, the Easter Sunday morning Easter egg hunt to try and find things. And so purses that couldn't be located, keys that couldn't be located, watches that turned up missing that um, ironically was, was seldom as we would mo- – I mean, all of us say, gee, I, I can't find my car keys. I, I, I don't know where I set them when I came home last night. Um, for the Alzheimer patient, it could be anywhere from uh, inside the freezer to hidden somewhere because they wanted to make sure that no one could find them to take them from them. Did you run through those experiences? I, um, for me, I think the biggest issue when it really occurred, okay, it's time to see a doctor. My husband was a brilliant man. He handled all the finances. and I was starting to get calls that um, bills weren't being paid and checks would be returned because he had forgotten to put the amount on the check, which thankfully people were honest and sent it back to us. And then I would find um, the bills stuck in books in his office. He had a home office. Um, things would get lost, and I got really good at thinking like he thought, and I could start finding them. Yeah, I always would go to the freezer first. Or after he went to bed at night, I'd go out with a flashlight to the side of the garage and check through the trash, because that's where he would throw things. I had to laugh in reading the book. Um, you tell the story about um, coming into the kitchen one morning, and oh, um, suddenly your, your feet are all wet, and oh, you realize dear. that there's melted ice cream, melted ice cubes coming out of the of the freezer. And uh, within just the last few weeks, I had the... Gee, this food tastes terrible. It's making me sick. And um, went over to discover that the refrigerator had stopped working. Uh, everything inside the refrigerator was, I mean, absolutely room temperature. Everything inside the freezer, of course, was completely ruined. Um, and there was not the awareness that, gee, the light in the refrigerator is not coming on. It doesn't seem to be cold. I don't hear it making noise. There must be something wrong. Um, although two days after this uh, event. <coughs> Pardon me. I was told, oh, by the way, when you have a chance, I think the light bulb in the refrigerator went out. Yeah. It's just, it's a very sad, um, very sad, very slow downhill journey. You know that when the diagnosis comes, you just, you know, this is it. I'm a type A personality, high planner. And I asked the doctor, I said, well, what can I expect? He said, we don't know. How long is this going to be? We don't know. Is there anything you can do? He said, no treatment, no cure. And the difficult thing for the benefit of listeners is that there is suddenly this altered reality, this other reality in which you need to function. And, you know, in day-to-day life, 
I think we have a hard enough time being reminded that we're not in this kingdom, we're of God's kingdom, that we need to be functioning, thinking, acting, doing um, in, in that spirit of redemption. And so it's difficult enough to try to manage all of this in the real world when you suddenly discover that your loved one is living in an entirely different world that is very much disconnected from yours. And of course, the the natural inclination is you want to pull them back into your reality. And sadly, as I found out the hard way um, fairly early on, uh, that doesn't work out very well. In fact, if anything, uh, the attempt to try and pull them back into reality can be met with disastrous results. Cynthia Fantasia with us today. We're talking about her new book, In the Lingering Light, Courage and Hope for the Alzheimer's Caregiver. We're going to come back to more of our conversation right after an update on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're talking about In the Lingering Light, Courage and Hope for the Alzheimer's Caregiver, a new book published by NAV Press. Cynthia Fantasia, its author, sharing her experiences both in the book and here on the program tonight of the uh, the diagnosis of her husband, Bob, and, and what all that looked like. Um, it is difficult. You know, we're, we're, we're reminded in Scripture that we're in the world but not of the world. We're citizens of an entirely different uh, kingdom, so to speak. And it's hard enough, I think, Cynthia, just to be reminded of that for the average person just going through day-to-day life. But when suddenly you're faced with um, not just the kingdom reality and the, the world reality, but then your loved one's altered reality that is so very different from everything that you see and how you perceive things, the level of frustration there can be pretty incredible, can't it? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And you have to, um, well, let me go back to what I call diagnosis day when I, I sat in the doctor's office and he explained to me as I watched my world explode in front of me and then he said to me, Cynthia, how are you going to handle this? And without even thinking, I just said, um, I'm going to live on the other side of eternity. And that's sort of what my mantra, my, my motto was throughout the whole journey. I just kept my eyes on the fact that thankfully my husband knew the Lord, I knew where he was going, and ultimately we would be together again. But it's still hard. It's sad. It's a lonely. um, It's a very isolating journey for a caregiver. And it is, and I think the thing that's that's frustrating, as I referred to before the break, your, your inclination is to want to pull them back into your reality. And sadly, when you do that, <coughs> pardon me, when you do that, you you wind up making things even worse. You might wind up exacerbating the situation. And I think it's it's important at this juncture to remind listeners who are maybe on the front end of this and uh, have got a lot to learn and a lot that they're going to experience that if we imagine that it's painful and difficult for us, um, imagine what it's like for the Alzheimer's patient who perhaps can't pull together the thoughts to articulate exactly what's going on, but there is the awareness of this. They do know that something is happening, and they know that something is happening to their mind. Would you agree? In the beginning, yes. And then um, what I noticed or what I realized was what I call, and C.S. Lewis called the severe mercy, 
that the pain of the disease was really mine to carry. Um, Bob, he just was in his own world. I used to say, we, we live in Disney World now. His reality became reality. I couldn't fight it. I wouldn't fight it. And we just, as he said it was up and it was down, it stayed up. If it, he said it was red and it was green, it, it was red. No point in arguing because it only exacerbates the frustration on their part. It does. And there's a lot of, um, well, there's coping mechanisms that will work. There are other coping mechanisms that I find, uh, especially if you're a type A personality or someone that likes order uh, or routine, uh, that that becomes very frustrating, very disruptive. I mean, for example, um, uh, paintings and pictures. Um, my loved one for many years was a very talented uh, oil painter and had beautiful landscapes and seascapes and things of this sort. And so in moving her to a, um, a new uh, adult care facility, put up paintings, of course, that things that she had done would be there for her to see and others to enjoy. Um, first, we started with things getting moved around, and the painting that was in the kitchen was moved to the living room, and the one that was in the living room was moved to the bedroom, and this went on for three or four weeks, and then pictures started just disappearing off the walls, and then suddenly empty picture frames started appearing, and there was never any rhyme or reason, and of course, whenever you query your loved one as to what's going on, they either don't know or they blame somebody else. Absolutely. There was one morning, um, my husband insisted on taking his shower on the second floor of our home, where our kids used to live. And so I got his stuff together, and I handed it to him. I said, okay, honey, you can go take your shower. And he said, I can't. And I said, why? He said, those people who live upstairs, they lock the door. Mm. And I said, oh, okay, I'll go unlock it. Someone early, early on had said to me, there's a kernel of truth in everything they say. So as I was walking up the stairs to pick the lock, something I didn't even know how to do, but I figured it out, I realized he was, for that moment in time, he had gone back to when our three kids lived upstairs. So I unlocked the door, came down, he says, okay, the door's open, I'll tell those people not to lock the door anymore. And he looked at me and he goes, what people? Mm, he'd already forgotten. So he had, yeah, already forgotten. And that's one of the things I say is just keep short accounts because they live in the moment. They do. And, uh, you know, in some respects, that's also kind of forgiving because they can get upset about things. For example, we had once again a very difficult conversation about the car uh, within the last week. And uh, where's my car? I want my car. I want to be able to go grocery shopping. And they'll have no recollection of the fact that they get confused or they get lost or they've been in an accident previously. Uh, they just know you as the one that took their car away. Um, and so a, a little bit of tension will ensue. And then I find if you will distract to a different topic or something that they find more pleasant, before you know it, within a couple of minutes, they've completely forgotten about the car. So at least the argument that could have gone on for weeks <laughs> just disappears within a... It's like, if you're upset for the moment, hang tight, because within a couple of minutes, they're going to completely forget about all this. Yeah, I think I shared this... I don't know if I shared the story of the salmon in the book, but my husband couldn't stand salmon. He loved every food in the world, but salmon was one he could not stand. 
so I never cooked it. I loved it. We had gone to dinner early in the disease and gone to dinner at some friend's house, and the fellow was the chef, and he says, I'm making grilled salmon. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And Bob said, oh, I love salmon. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I said, you do? And he looked at me like, what is wrong with you? He says, I've always loved salmon. I went, okay, we'll enjoy salmon. So you you have to live in their reality. It's the only way to do it. Embra- I say, I tell people, embrace the disease. Yeah, uh, you really have to, and and it's amazing because along the way you will learn as much about yourself as you will about the Lord in the process. It, it's sad because your your awareness, the understanding of the person that you you've lived with a whole life, raised kids with, what have you, that slowly fades away. But I think as as you're going through this. Uh, to to understand the impact of the disease, understand that for your loved one, um, it has to be frightening. It has to be frustrating. There are so many questions that they logically can't work their way through anymore. And so to the degree to which they have uh, a sense of self-awareness or what's going on even in the moment, uh, for them it's got to be very frightening. Uh, for you, learning to live in the moment and learning more about yourself, how you react, and most importantly, your relationship with God and God's capacity to carry you through these experiences and moments becomes so critically important. And God is incredibly faithful. Um, for us, there were times that I could absolutely see the hand of God wrapped around us as we were struggling through yet another phase. Um, I think that the one other thing I learned about God was that my love had to mirror what God's love for me was, and it's love is not what you get, it's what you give. Unconditional and uh, slow to anger, quick to forgive. <laughs> Um, and and you can't you can't carry a grudge you really can't and you'll you'll find early on as I suggested in my story about the the missing uh, um, phone book that later on went to be missing photographs and uh, they they will early on in the disease with much gusto uh, defend their argument and their accusations against you and um, it can be hurtful. Um, particularly later on when they forget about the visits and you show up and, you know, they, they say, I haven't seen you in weeks and you were just there yesterday or you were there earlier in the morning. And I guess we have to re- be reminded that it's the disease talking, not them. And to show that kind of unconditional love towards them that God showed towards us really becomes the most critical coping mechanism, doesn't it? It, it does. And you realize as you're, well, as you're, as you're going through it, you really don't realize the magnitude of what's happening. When it's over, because that's the only way it's over, is when they change their address, move from earth to heaven. When it's over and you look back and you say, oh my gosh, that was really worse than I imagined it. But it was God's grace carrying me in those moments. You yes. Know, people look on and they'll say, "I don't know how you did it," and I think now I know. I know how I did it. It was God. Well, that's it. You just say, "I don't know how I did it either," but I know that God did it, and and that really becomes key. And again, there's so many layers of this, and sometimes it can unfold very slowly um, uh, or very rapidly. It was described to me by 
family physician as well. It's either going to be a very slow descent into the abyss or a very rapid one. And sadly, in the case of my loved one, it appears to be more or less fast track, um, though not at the worst stages yet, uh, but at stages where, again, you're dealing with, you know, uh, an altered reality, lost items, hallucinations, they hear voices, they imagine seeing people or having conversations with people that, that quite frankly, uh, don't exist. Uh, they will hide things around. Uh, have you run in or did you run into with Bob uh, the, the packing of things? I, I, I found that that seems to be a favorite activity. Uh, find a suitcase and fill it with everything that might be everything from clothing and underwear to the components of a blender and items out of the kitchen and bric-a-brac out of the living room. He packed up his office at home. Like I say, he worked out of the house. He packed everything up, and I said, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm packing up. I'm moving. I said, where are you moving? And he said, I'm going to my home. This is in the town where he grew up. Mm. And I said, oh, I said, you have a home there? He says, yeah. I said, when are you going? He says, probably tomorrow. I said, you know, I'm not really ready to go back there yet. And he looked at me and he said, oh, you're not coming. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) He said, you can come and visit. You're not coming with me. And, I mean, that broke my heart. But I said, it's the disease talking. Yeah, you you really office at home stayed packed for about a year. Yeah, you you really have to be quick to remind yourself of that. And again, for the type A person or the neat freak, oh boy, are you in for an experience. But you Um, know what, Craig, it was a wonderful excuse. I never had to apologize when anyone came by the house. I didn't apologize because my husband did just what your loved one did with moving the pictures around. And um, I just didn't care anymore. That was not important. My my goal was to preserve his dignity through it all. You learn to reprioritize. You you certainly do. And you also begin to learn the things that are important and the things that are not so important. Cynthia Fantasia with us. Cynthia, stay with us for a minute, if you would. I want to take a quick time out, get updated on some traffic. We'll be back with some closing thoughts in our conversation. A look at the book, In the Lingering Light, Courage and Hope for the Alzheimer's Caregiver. And this is really on almost be required reading if you're in that position. Or maybe grab a copy and share it with a friend. Newly published by NAV Press. You'll find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area. Also available at Cynthia's website, CynthiaFantasia.com. Back after this. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. 